Welcome to Transforming the Toddler Years, a core four parenting podcast blending soul and science-based strategies to empower pandemic moms like you raising kindergarten-ready kids. I'm Cara Terrell, your host, a lifetime lover of littles, girl mom, early childhood educator, and conscious parenting coach who truly believes that how we connect and collaborate with our kids in the first five years is how we raise world-ready kids who will change this world. Today's guest is Christina Hay Averett, and she is going to help us understand what it really means to help our kids be ready to walk into their kindergarten classroom. As she's a mom of two and the co-founder of Vibrant Family Education, she utilizes her 27 years of professional public classroom teaching, a love of technology, and a passion for helping students achieve their highest potential. She's been a program lead, a staff trainer, event organizer, emergency planner, field trip survivor and thriver, and has become knowledgeable inside valuable resources for innovating educational solutions for kids. This is not a one-size-fits-all educational system, and she gets that. Her mission is to help families with any and all of their educational needs by bringing a much-needed unique perspective into reimagining the education system for success. I so enjoyed my conversation with Christina, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Christina, thank you so much for making time to come on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here after sitting with you last week and guesting on yours. I am so excited to be here as well. And yes, last week went so awesome. We had such a wonderful discussion. I can't wait to see what we do today. Absolutely. So I know about you, but I need the listeners to know like the depth of knowledge that you are about to bring to this conversation. 27 years of education-related work. Tell us your journey. Tell us your story and all the different places and stages that you've had an opportunity to touch kids' lives. Thank you so much. Yeah, 27 years. It's been an amazing journey. And I can't believe where I am now compared to where I started way back then. But the the biggest thing about my education background is that I have taught kindergarten through fifth grade throughout my career. So I have a large range of introducing and working with children of all different ages and stages. And then of course, outside of my teaching career, I have my volunteer in the church, again, teaching kindergarten through high school in the religious ed and things like that. So I have tons of experience with lots of ages and stages. Um, as I was teaching, I mostly taught um, second grade and third grade, but I went all the way down to kindergarten for several years, first grade. And then on top of that, for 15 of those 17 years, I was the technology integration specialist at my school, which means that I got to work with all of the computers, all of the document cameras, all of the new programs, whether it be the attendance program, the new reading program, the new math program, all that technology and train my staff with all of those things as well. And then, of course, the parents come along behind that, and I have all the parent interactions through the volunteer, through the teaching, through the everything. The biggest thing is that the last two years of my teaching career in the public school, because I've now left, um, I was actually in an online school. 
And it wasn't the COVID school. It happened at the same time as COVID, but it wasn't the COVID school. So a lot of teachers were given their online presence as online teachers through COVID saying, here you go, just take your class online. Instead, I was actually admitted to the online school and I helped set up the kindergarten through second grade program. And it's a full-time online school from our school district. And the kids who hang out there the most are the kiddos who might be medically fragile and can't go into the classroom. They might be those kiddos who have um, high-end sports and things like gymnastics, so they've gone at competitions and things like that a lot. So they need school that can travel with them and they can log in through there. Um, With COVID, it was really amazing because some of our families who traveled to stay with relatives during that time they still wanted to keep their roots in their regular school district, but then traveled and and did school from there. So it was a real big mix of online. But like the amazing thing was that I was able to reach all of those kiddos at all times and stages. One was actually in India for two months. They traveled back home to India to be with grandparents. And so I got to teach them (laughs) through that. And then, um, yeah, just everything that I learned from the last two years put me where I am today, where I am helping parents understand the different ways that kids can go to school and the way that I can help them either integrate into an online school or maybe do homeschool or wrap around the regular public education and help them navigate that more. Oh my gosh. This is unbelievable. I, as a fellow teacher, I have like fires going off in my brain right now. If you could see me, I'm like literally. Yeah, exactly. My brain is exploding. So two things of what you just said really pull for me. And I want to, I want to pull them out. One is there are so many ways to meet the needs of our kids' education, and it is not one size fits all, nor should it be, because every child is a unique and different learner. Do you think there's a level of awareness around this now that there maybe wasn't before COVID, that people are really starting to embrace, it's my job to see my child for who they are, what they're capable of, what plateaus they might have hit, what milestones they're not achieving, and advocate for them in a way that allows them to feel successful. Yes, I I really believe that's happening because, you know, when COVID hit, unfortunately, things were all in disarray. First of all, we didn't know when we'd be able to be back in the classroom. And then a lot of parents were like, well, maybe I don't want my kids exposed to, you know, the germs and the different things like that, or maybe not wearing masks. There's lots of things around that. And that's not what we're talking about. But it did bring that heightened awareness to parents of what they could do for their child. At least in my area, I saw parents create what was called a pod. So they would pull their kids out of the public school and they wouldn't do homeschool, but they would find a teacher or a certified person and they would run up basically a mini school in their home. And then they were in their little bubble and they were all safe, right? And then I saw others move to the online school, like I said, although we had a lot of online kiddos. And then we had the kids who ended the regular public school back and forth. And then we had others who pulled them out and sent them to private school or a Christian school or a religious school just to see and understand that there were lots of different alternatives. And I think parents are more aware now. And then, of course, there were those at homeschooled and they realized that homeschool wasn't necessarily that 
weird kind of thing that some people think it is. You know, there used to be really bad stigmatism around homeschool, but with the advances over the last couple of years, it's not the same thing that it used to be. And it was awesome before and we didn't understand it as educators. I mean, I was guilty of it for many, many years. Like, oh, that was a homeschool kid. I'm going to have a lot to do. And I feel horrible about that now because I'm looking at what parents have learned and what they actually do. And it was just a different model. There wasn't anything wrong with it. So yes, parents are very much aware now that there's alternatives. And I hope that they are taking advantage of those. And that's why we're having this conversation today, because parents who listen to this podcast tend to have kids who are younger, right? They're not age eligible for a traditional school setting yet. They are still in daycare. They're in preschool programs. And I love how parents now like talk to their two-year-olds and say, okay, time to go to school, right? They're Mm -hmm. setting their kids up for that success experience in those early childhood education years. Mm -hmm. So For those parents who know that kindergarten's coming Mm -hmm. and feel really lost and overwhelmed right now because their child's behaviors Mm -hmm. are really challenging because of, like I keep saying, that that pause button that was hit on those learning leaps, those opportunities for them to go out into the world and experience typical just everyday things that allow you to grow the skills that you need to be successful in a classroom setting. What are some things that those parents need to know that are going to help them say, okay, we can do this, but it might not be on the timeline that we originally thought? Right, exactly. First of all, something like what you're doing, helping parents understand the different things that toddlers need to grow in normal times is super, super important. And then just knowing that our schools are ready for our kids in some ways, and they're not ready for our kids in other ways. So meaning the curriculum is there, the teachers are there, the willingness to embrace your child is there. But then teachers are still also kind of getting their footing back on the ground of where the kids are coming in. So some of the things that you can do as a parent to make sure your child is ready is to make sure they have varied experiences because we had to push that pause button and they didn't get out as much as basically a normal-ish child would have done. Yeah, we need to make sure that they have those varied experiences. So even though you might be a little bit not afraid, but kind of like hesitant. It's like, get them out to the park, make sure they're out running and playing and experiencing nature and climbing and things like that. Because I don't know if you know, but reading begins at those stages. Reading begins when they're climbing and playing and exploring. When they're walking and they're looking at the leaves and different things and their eyes are going back and forth, that's the beginning of tracking of a page of letters and things like that. So if your child doesn't have that experience, their brain is going to have a hard time when it's time to start reading. Also make sure that those parents or your kiddos are in some kind of a play group, whether it's at the park, whether it's at church, whether it's at the YMCA, wherever, make sure they're with other kids a little bit and start building those ground rules for what interaction kind of looks like. Now, here's one for parents that you probably don't often think of is that when you send your child to kindergarten, please don't send them with anything they can't open, tie, or take care of themselves. So think about this. You're sending their lunchbox with them. In that lunchbox is a Lunchable. 
how many different things have to be opened in that Lunchable? So now you all of a sudden, unbeknownst to you, set your child up for a stressful lunchtime because they can't open the container. They can't get to the food they need and want. They have to ask for help. So now you put a whole bunch of extra things on top of their lunchtime. So make sure they can tie their shoes. Make sure they can open those things by themselves or repackage it into Ziploc bags that they can open, right? Kind of thing. And then have them practice asking for help. Because how many of our little kiddos go in there and because maybe they haven't had as many adult interactions as we have had in the past, they don't know how to ask for help appropriately. They get mad and they're like, Ugh. and instead they need to walk up to somebody or raise their hand and say, I need help, please. You know, those, so, oh my gosh, this is amazing. All right, everyone have their ears on. So what Christina just walked us through is what we talk about all the time, that this is being ready to experience and interact inside a kindergarten classroom or a preschool classroom for that matter, is not about, do you know your ABCs, one, two, threes, colors, and numbers? The skills required to walk in there are, can I advocate for myself? Do I know how to ask for help? Do I have the words to do it? Am I self-sufficient with the things that are mine and I need to be able to do? Do I understand what I'm feeling? If I do get frustrated, am I able to, again, say, I need help instead of fall apart like a puddle on the floor crying and screaming and have a meltdown? You were talking about social emotional skills and interpersonal skills and physical body control, and I am here for all of it. Yeah, it's amazing. Totally amazing that if children come in with those skills, their day is going to be so much easier. Because again, we're not setting them up for stress. We're mm -hmm. setting them up for being settled and calm and knowing how to take care of if something unusual happens. Do you love listening to this podcast, but wish that you could see us while we're talking and engaging and emoting? Well, I have great news for you. We now have an opportunity for you to join our video membership access for only $7 a month, every single guest episode, unedited, no ads, and all the wonderful things that we say and do are available to you on our Patreon account. Hop on over with the link in the show notes and choose the level that you'd like to support the show. Again, for $7 a month, all video access is available to you. You can go back and forth throughout the episode. You can make sure to highlight your favorite parts. Watch it over and over if it really resonated with you to get those strategies and those intentional language just down the way you want. Would love to have you in there to better support you in your journey of conscious and collaborative parenting. So now let's talk about the cognition for a minute, because I could talk about the other three all day. I sometimes prioritize them over those cognitive milestones because they're so under talked about and dealt with. However, there are school districts across this country where kindergarten is no longer an extension of preschool, where kindergarten is essentially the expectation has become that it is your first year of school, yes, and that you will be a reader 
and you will be a writer and you will do these things before June hits. Yeah. Some parents are even telling me their kindergartners are getting homework. Huh? Help us understand how that taxes our child if they're not ready for it versus doing what we need to do in order to keep them successful in that particular classroom. Thank you. Yes. And this is just huge because when, let's see, no child left behind, the laws came into place and then Common Core came into place. There was a shift that happened within the school. So suddenly we as educators had these benchmarks, these milestones that our children had to meet and they weren't from within the school. So it wasn't that the teacher said, oh, I really want all of my kids to know A, B, and C, right? Instead, it was like, at the end of the school year, if your child is going to meet level, and then the school is going to meet level and get the funding that they need, then all of this stuff has to happen. So that's where it came from, mostly, okay? And so then what happened was, even though kindergarten is not required in most states, Kindergarten is the first year of learning. So like you said, they're expected to be basically readers at the end of the kindergarten. They're supposed to be writing. They're supposed to be able to do a simple addition, subtraction. And a lot of the play and a lot of the social and a lot of the learning how to do school was taken out of kindergarten. And a lot of parents don't realize that yet. So yeah, exactly. If your child is coming in with no experience at all, they've never gone to preschool, They've never hung out with a whole bunch of cousins to learn a whole bunch of things. They've never had a crayon or pencil in their hand. Unfortunately, they're way far behind the first day of kindergarten. And that, again, sets them up for stress, for not understanding what's going on, all of those things. So the academics have been pushed down, yeah, onto our kinders. So if you're a mama listening to this and you had a toddler when COVID hit, you now have a kindergartner or a first grader. And what Christina is so eloquently sharing with us is that the expectations for your child's learning have not changed, but your child's ability to access that education because they lost those years of formative opportunities for learning has changed. And I will go on the record saying that I believe strongly that if we do not make some accommodations to the expectations, the gap is going to widen at a pace that we cannot recover from. And we are going to raise a generation of kids who do not have a lifelong love of learning instilled in them. From an early age, they have a lifelong frustration of how hard learning is. And I'm scared about both. I am too. I really, really am. I mean, I've been hearing information from the schools around me and a lot of the kindergarten teachers have understood that that change needed to happen. So they have tried to slow things down. They have tried to adjust the curriculum and things have more of those play centers and things like that available. But again, they are held to certain requirements that they have to get taken care of by the end of the school year. So one thing I have to say is that if you're helping your child learn to write, please do not teach them in all capital letters. Please, please, please do lowercase before capital letters. And a lot of you are going like, oh, handwriting doesn't matter. Well, it does because guess what? Your teacher has to be able to read what your child wrote to be able to give grades to, right? And we know that 
if they're coming in with all capital letters, what's our standard of writing? Mix of capital and lower, right? So make sure that you're teaching those lowercase letters. Oh my gosh. So many gems in this conversation. I'm so grateful for your time. Um, we could go on forever. <laughs> um, but before we get to how people, exactly what you're doing right now and how they can reach out if they'd like to know more, help us understand the homeschool options. There's not one way to homeschool anymore. There's lots of ways. So for parents who are thinking, okay, my child tried kindergarten, but it is really not working. It's not required. I feel like I'm doing more damage to my child than I am good because at home I'm sitting deeply inside this desire to be a conscious collaborative parent. And at school, I just see it all unraveling. What mm -hmm. can they do that doesn't mean they have to quit their job, stay home and learn how to homeschool their child? Got it. What I'm trying to help parents do is basically a hybrid. So it's an online school, but of course, the parent has to be there to help facilitate, but everything is provided for you. So you don't have to worry about digging up curriculum. You don't have to worry about learning how to teach A, B, C, all the phonics and all that kind of stuff, because in the online model, it comes to you. Now, a good online model, though, will have paper, pencil as well. So your child's not just staring at the screen all day. That's not what I'm talking about, about an online model, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's several other models inside of that. So homeschool, there's something called the Charlotte Mason ideas of homeschooling. There is the full nature homeschooling. There are so many different models that you can look up and explore and see what fits your child the best. So yeah, I mean, homeschool is a very viable and the flexibility. And one of the things that I help parents understand is that if you're working guess what? When you're homeschooling or online schooling, school suddenly becomes more flexible around your work schedule or around your family schedule. And one of the things that, and it's not that you don't do school in a structured time and space. It's just that it can be flexible, you know? Oh, you know, I need to work at these meetings all morning long. So we're going to focus on school in the afternoon with my child at home. And maybe that's better for your child. Maybe your child loves to sleep in and is not a morning person at all. And so we drag them out of bed and put them on a bus and send them to school, right? And they're all grumpy and fussy because they'd rather still be home in bed. And this is usually the high schoolers and teenagers because their body clocks kind of change. But every once in a while, we have those young ones, right? Mm -hmm. And so then they're learning at their optimal time. So there's some other advantages to thinking and exploring these other alternatives to public school. And when we learn at our optimal time, it takes less time. Exactly. It's amazing. It's like us when we're in the zone and we're being creative and productive. We can do a week's worth of work in two hours if we're there. Something else popped up for me real quick before I let you go. One of the things that I'm noticing is mm -hmm. there's a lot more let's run this kid through a battery of special ed tests mm -hmm. up, right? Because yeah. there's more behaviors, because there's less ability to interact in an appropriate way, mm -hmm. they just haven't mastered those skills yet. A lot of tests are happening. What is your opinion about whether or not we're going to see some diagnoses that are not actually there? That's a big, scary thing. It really, really is. 
And there's two sides to that because the school districts have started pushing back because they know that some of these kiddos aren't coming in with the appropriate skills. So sometimes they're pushing back and they're saying, we're not going to test. And the teacher is going nuts because it's like, wait a minute, but this kiddo needs A, B, and C and they aren't getting it if they aren't tested. So there's this really weird balance there. So the school districts are kind of pushing back saying, no, we're not gonna test kids because we know they need more time to acclimate basically, right? But on the other hand, like you said, that in some cases they are testing sooner and getting a false positive kind mm -hmm. of, right? Because it looks like the kiddo is going to have these issues, et cetera, et cetera. So the thing that parents just need to do is just advocate, make sure that they're following up. So if this suggested to test and you feel in your heart is like, yeah, I've done everything I can to teach them what they need and they're still not getting it allow testing. Absolutely. If you know, no, I kept my kid at home and sheltered for two years and they just didn't learn those skills, then maybe try to push it off a little bit. Right. But the other thing is once they're tested, once they have a diagnosis, guess what? They're supposed to be tested every three years. And at that testing time, if they suddenly test with all the skills that they need, the diagnosis necessarily doesn't go away, but they basically graduate out of the special classes. And you can call an IEP meeting, and that's for specialized learning instruction, IEP. Um, you can call for a meeting to change or adjust that at any time. Now, please don't do it every month because that drives your teacher nuts trying to figure out what the new rules are, right? But at the semester, if you've seen a huge change in your child, ask for a meeting and ask for things to be changed and switched up. So a diagnosis in the school system is not something that will necessarily stick and hinder them if you keep advocating and make sure that you're following up. Also getting outside services. If you know that you've been deficient as a parent and that's no blame or guilt on anybody, a lot of crazy stuff happened. But if you know that something didn't quite happen that you think should have happened, please get help. Don't just sit there and say, I'm going to just suffer through it and make my child suffer through it, get some help. So I want to connect that to entrepreneurship. What do we do with entrepreneurship? We do self-development. We advocate and all those things. Why aren't we doing it for our kids? Let's get those coaches. Let's do that personal self-development with our kids to help them have the best education possible. Amen. <laughs> oh gosh, that's so good. Yes, you're absolutely right. There's this collective happening right now where moms, particularly dads too, sometimes partnerships and other times, you know, as individuals are stepping up and saying, I choose to do things differently. Mm -hmm. And specifically after all the trauma and survival that we went through with COVID, I for sure choose to do things differently. So if that means working with Christina, having a free session with her to find out what your options are for who your child is right now, then do it. If it means reaching out to me because you as a parent need to do some shifting of some mindset work and apply some new strategies, then do it. But know that by getting help for yourself, you're getting help for your child. Exactly. Part of my mission is that we keep talking about adult trauma and we keep talking about how we're all dealing with everything. What if our kids didn't have to do that? What if we get the help ahead of time so they don't have to grow into or have those traumas? So unfortunately, school lots of times is traumatic for kids, especially those who aren't ready or who have been here having trouble. Let's fix it 
before it becomes an issue. Let's. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, thank you so, so much for your time today. All of the links that people need to reach you will be in the show notes. Could you tell them the name of your podcast, though, if they want to go have a listen? Oh, thank you. Yes, I also do a podcast with my husband. So the podcast is Bringing Education Home and is based on looking at topics related to education, entrepreneurship, and relationship, because we know those three things together can really help our children. Amazing. So grateful for your time today, the work you're doing in the world. And I really hope that someday we can create something together that has massive impact. That would be amazing. Thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me share my ideas and thoughts. And I hope this is helpful for a lot of parents. I'm sure it will be. Bringing you curated content and amazing guests like this one is one of my favorite things to do. Brings me such joy. And so I'd love to get to know you even better. I'd love for you to share with me what your parenting goals are for this year, what your biggest struggles are, what topics you'd like to hear covered on the show, and what guest experts you think would be amazing to come on and share their knowledge and expertise with you. And as always, I love to give. So go to caratarrell.com backslash share and share this information with me every month. I will pull a winner who gets a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me to help you personalize this parenting journey. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. And I cannot wait to read all about you, your kids, and the amazing ways that you are transforming the toddler years. Music.